What's going on, Fantasy Football family? We are back for another episode of Off the Land Fantasy Football Podcast. Of course, this is your boy, Eugene. You can always follow me on Twitter at Fantasy Jeans. That's G-E-N-E-S. Also, follow our official Twitter handle at, at Off the Line FF. And as always, I'm joined with the other host of the show, Ike. How are you doing? How are you feeling, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, this this uh, weather is heating up, um, as I <laughs> seem, seemingly mentioned every single week but it's just getting worse and worse and hotter and hotter i think today i think i got in the car it's like 103 my my, my temperature read 103 or 104 um so yeah it's 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 starting to it's starting to take shape i think the first day of summer was this this week the, the official oh. official first day of summer here in texas so <laughs> looking forward to seeing what else <laughs> what else this weather has has in store for us um, I could be found on Twitter at just underscore Ico nine. Um, but while we're talking about the weather, we do also have we had a, a huge NFL story break. I think earlier today, the retirement of Sir Rob Gronkowski. Gene, take it away, <laughs> Sir, man. Sir <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> Gene, take it away, man. What do we what do we what do we think about this uh, retirement from Gronk? You know, a lot of. <laughs> A lot of um, a lot of beat writers were speculating that you know he's just going to wait it out and eventually he's just going to he's going to come back before training camp and play the season. But this is kind of a somewhat of a curveball. But I think there's 50 percent of people that are that aren't buying it. And there's 50 percent of people that are buying it. I know his I know his agent came out and said yesterday that or I think earlier today or yesterday that you know if if Brady calls then he's probably going to answer the phone and come back or potentially come back. So. Just curious to get your thoughts and see what what you know how how this Gronk retirement affects the, you know the Bucks offense. You know, um, it's his second time doing this. Uh, hopefully, this is the his last time, so we don't have to <laughs> you know circle back in a few months seeing him coming back for uh for another run. Uh, you know, it's kind of sad to see him retiring because I mean he's one of the best tight ends to ever play this game. Uh, I'm not sure people really understand his his impact on the game and how effective he was. I know he was on the all-decade team in the 2010s. That's just, just let you know what kind of a monster he was. But, you know, overall, in terms of that offense, is, I mean, it's, it's going to hurt them because, you know, that's a weapon that, they, that they're going to be relying on since Godwin is going to be out probably half the season uh, at least. But, um, you know, you know, Brady, he's always going to keep it trucking. So they'll figure out a way to, you know, replace that production. I know people are speculating that Cameron Bray is probably going to be that guy to, you know, just come in and just replace. Um, sorry to tell you, <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> He's not going to be the one to do that. He's going to be definitely you're going to see a lot of Mike Evans, a lot of Gage at the beginning, a lot of Leonard Fournette. Um, and then in terms of that tight end, they'll probably piece it together somehow. They might even go look and go get a veteran. So, um, you know, overall, just it sucks for us fantasy players because I know some people – we're looking forward to, you know, going to get that that Gronk Gronk on their lineups because they saw how effective it was last year on, on if people like stacked him with with Tom Brady if they haven't best ball or, you know, just being excited playing Gronk with uh, for another season. So uh, I, I just don't, you know, it's gonna it's gonna hurt the Bucks offense, but they'll figure they'll figure a way to you know to to supplement that that loss of production. 
Yeah, and, and just just kind of circling back on 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 the Cameron Bright thing, there were there were some splits like with Gronk and without Gronk. Without Gronk, he was worse. He was actually worse <laughs> on a per game basis. You know, he had less you know less targets, less catches, less yards, less obviously less touchdowns. But then I saw this other stat on Twitter where you know among thirty five tight ends with forty plus targets last season, here's where Cameron Bright <laughs> Cameron Bright ranked. 35th in yards per target, 35th in yards per route run, 31st in PFF receiving grade, 31st in DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. Yeah, um, he wasn't good <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, he was not good at all. He had opportunities to do something Gronk was, was not on the field because he, you know, Gronk missed a, 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 you know, a chunk of games because of that rib injury. And Cameron Brake was the primary tight end and he didn't do jack shit. So okay. I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's going to do jack shit, um, you know, this this time around. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people need to just kind of pump the brakes on the whole well, Cameron race going to step in. And yes, you know, the, the passing environment for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is is as fran- fantasy friendly as it gets. But, you know, Cameron Bright had a similar opportunity last year and didn't do anything with it. So I, mean, I don't I don't see anything in his underlying metrics that would indicate that he would be benefiting uh, from the loss of Gronkowski or from the retirement of Gronkowski. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, this episode is just continuing on uh, going on team previews per, per uh, conference or per division. And here we are talking about the NFC East. So let, I'm in the yeah. NFC South. So let's not even waste any more time. And let's talk about the Buccaneers since we're already here. Um, so first off the Buccaneers, they had Tom Brady retire and then, you know, all the speculation or whatnot, and then he comes out and he unretires. So that <laughs> I'm sure people were, I know all of us were tweeting that like, man, you know, salute the goat, this and that. And, and, and then sure enough, like a month later, he's just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm not fucking leaving. So like the, <laughs> I'm not fucking Wolf, leaving. Of Wall- <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street. So yeah, uh, the next player, they went and signed Russell Gates to a three for 30. They resigned Leonard Fournette to, uh, I believe, another three-year deal. Uh, they drafted Rashad White in the fifth round. Uh, as we talked about before, Gronk retired and AB. We saw what he did. He just kind of quit mid-game because of his alleged ankle injury. So quit, whatever tired, that was, released, yeah. whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever it was, we don't know. Whatever, yeah, whatever it was, he ain't playing no more. So yeah. Now, now let's get to the some of the biggest questions for the Buccaneers. Uh, the first one: Do we think for any reason? To believe that this offense would change in terms of you know they were very pass heavy last year they led the league in pass attempts to you know maybe going almost more than a 50 50 split with the injuries retirements and whatnot what they have around uh tom brady what's your thoughts uh i don't i mean they they've shown us the last couple of years with brady at, at the helm that they're they're just going to be passing the ball over the r you know they finished top five in pass play rate the last two years According according to PFF and and they were the top team this past year in situation neutral pace and that's according to Football Outsiders so they they they're just gonna they're gonna they're gonna run up tempo and they're gonna pass the ball and you know the Bucks they've been obviously they won the Super Bowl in 2020 and they were you know a, a pretty damn good team in 2021 despite all their injuries which means they played with a lot of leads and even with leads they still pass <laughs> they still pass a lot you know they're 62 percent pass rate when leading by four plus points. Um, and the NFL average is 51%. And so, you know, uh, you know, teams on average are, you know, pretty conservative whenever they have leads. They like to run the ball. 
like to milk the clock. But Tampa Bay, they, their their way of milking the clock is by <laughs> putting the ball through the air. So uh, they're I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna change um, at any point uh, this season. Maybe if 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 Brady's arm potentially falls you know falls off towards the end of the year, then maybe they go to like a more run heavy approach. But I don't foresee that happening because Tom Brady has been whooping Father Time's ass for the last decade. All right, so. So again, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's going to change with with this uh, with this offensive philosophy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I know. I mean, they still got Brian Leftwich. I don't care who the head the uh, the head coach is now. And then Tom Brady. Tom Brady pretty much calls his offense. So if he's going to want to pass the ball, they're going to they're going to pass the ball. So uh, yeah. I don't see I don't see anything changing here. Second question is: Will you, will will it, Will Leonard Fournette repeat last year's output? Uh, no, just to keep in context, this guy was what finished what RB three, RB four last year, uh, yeah. RB three in points per game, um, per PFF. He actually scored less point expect. He scored more actual. He scored less points per game than he was expected to score. So he scored uh, one point less than what they expected based on all the opportunities and the touches that he received. So. Just to let you know that that even with all the opportunities, he still should have scored more than he did, and he still finished yeah. at RB three. So, what do you? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think he only had like what ten touchdowns or something like that. He had a low. He had a lower touchdown total compared to a guy like you know, John, obviously Jonathan Taylor. He got a shit ton of volume. Austin Eckler got a shit ton of volume. Those guys are comparable. He should have scored you know somewhere between ten, you know, somewhere around fifteen touchdowns. But you know the fact he was. So he had bad touchdown looks. So I think he, I think there he may be in line for some positive regression in that in, in that department. And he's going to be fed. He's going to be fed early. He's going to be fed often. I know they drafted Rashad White, but he, right now I think he kind of profiles as a as a change of pace, you know, receiving back. I think I think uh, you know according to PFF they were he was the best receiving back in the 2022 draft class according to all their underlying metrics um, that track that that track that data. So he's not really going to eat into his, you know, his early down work. And obviously Ronald Jones left. So that was, that would, that would have been the other guy that would potentially eat into some of his work. But even then, like Fournette was just dominating the touches, Tom dominating the target share. Uh, so, I'm sorry, snap share and held tar- and running back target share as well. So I, I don't know if he'll, he'll repeat it. He'll repeat it. But I, I know that there's a potential to score more points given the volume that he's potentially going to get for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I mean, just to even piggyback, like you, you still got uh, Gio Bernard, who's a, a true passing down back, and he didn't even get that much work when it came down to it. So uh, I think Leonard should s- still see like an elite, elite share of touches uh, compared to everybody else in the league for sure. Uh, yeah. Now let's go ahead and talk about some of these fantasy, these key fantasy players on this team. First off, of course, Tom Brady. Uh, ADP right now shows him going at QB nine or eighty third overall, which is the end of the seventh. Uh, which I, I mean, I don't hate. Uh, I think that's fair for somebody that's thrown eighty three touchdowns and and almost ten thousand yards in two years with the Bucks, which is just, <laughs> which doesn't silly. even make any sense. <laughs> that's silly, man. That's just you can't, silly. Even, you can't even do that on Madden, man. That's crazy. You couldn't even, could even do that on Madden man. if you wanted to, bro. If it, if you crazy tried. numbers. Crazy numbers. 
led the league in pass attempts, pass yards, touchdown passes, air yards, deep deep ball attempts. Like this guy at 44 going on 45, just again, you wouldn't even you got people half his age that can't even do this. So uh, just just amazing. I mean, I I I want I want to draft him on my team. If it's redraft, you know, if I can get him in the eighth, ninth round, ninth round, then cool, sign me up. Cause I know he's gonna throw for five thousand yards and almost forty touchdowns. So <laughs> um the next player, uh, we already talked about Leonard Fournette. Um again, just he was third in receptions, third in targets, fourth in rece- receiving yards, fourth in, in target share, fourth in routes run. I mean, there's really nothing else to be said. I, we expect him to be another top back again. RB right fourteen, now, he's going off right yeah. off the board. Yeah. Yeah, RB fourteen right now. I think that's cheap he's probably should probably go higher than that once we once we get close to the draft season because of the potential usage definitely early in the season so um and then his adp showing him overall at the very end of the second round at 24 so i think that's it's a good spot but i think he should be i don't think there's 14 running backs that should be ahead of him honestly so um yeah we did we did touch on rashad why he's going at rb 45 uh, 152. So basically, mid 11th, 12th round. I think that's a little, in my opinion, that's a little rich for uh, a rookie running back. That's that won't get any touches. I don't know wh- when he would get touches, honestly, because he'll still be competing with Gio, Gio Bernard at least, and then you still got Keyshawn Vaughn there too. So it would be interesting how this works out. But I, I, I mean, as of right now, I can't, I can't do this. This is way too rich for me. Um, yeah, yeah, it it is, um, and you know, again, we're, we're his role is we we know we know what he profiles as, but we're not sure when he's going to be able to get on the field because you know Tom he's not going to Tom I don't think Tom Brady's going to really trust him because he's a rookie running back. You know, rookie running backs historically struggle with pass protection, and mm-hmm. Tom Brady was the best was the best protected quarterback last year. <laughs> <laughs> According to you know, playerprofiler.com, his protection rate was like 93 or something like that. It's like a, an absurd number. He was like number one in like all these metrics, and you know, protection rate was number one as well. So I, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't know how to feel how how you would feel about a rookie running back being you know, being being back there. That's why Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn hasn't gotten a lot of burn as well. So there's, yeah, I, I don't I don't really see how he can return this you know this this value, even though it's you know 11th round, 12th round. Even then, I, I don't see how he would return this value. So I'm, I would probably stay away unless somebody else trapped him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we got Gio Bernard, who is free. You can pick him up on waivers. We got our boy Mike Evans, wide receiver 10, mm. 28th overall. So the beginning of the third. I mean, the last two years when Godwin's been out, which has been six games with Tom Brady, he's averaged 5.7 receptions for 70. 76 yards on eight targets and then one and then over one touchdown per game. So pretty much every game that he's played without without Godwin, there's been a touchdown, um, which equals to 20.3 PPR points uh, per per these games. And on top of this, is he's averaging a 23 percent target share in these in these games. So, uh, I mean, and we're we're expecting to see Godwin probably not be ready until what? October, November, probably at the yeah, earliest. I was reading a blurb earlier today where it said his he should he should complete the nine month minimum, I guess recovery period for his ACL like on October third. 
And that's like the earliest that he can return. But even then, that's that's pretty optimistic. So yeah. you probably you probably give that like another month for him to to kind of ramp up. And I think he'll be active maybe the beginning of November, mid, middle you know before Thanksgiving or some something along those lines. Yeah, man. So I mean, I'm just expecting him to just go crazy because you got you got Russell Gage that's new to the offense. We saw what Tyler Johnson did. We saw what with Darden and some of these other guys, like Tom Brady couldn't trust them. So Cyril Grayson. Yes, Cyril Grayson. So we're expecting, I'm expecting Mike Evans to go crazy. Wide receiver 10 is, to me, is a little light. Um, Looking through all these circumstances, he might be, he should be up to like maybe seven or eight. Like you got people like Debo that's in front of him. Uh, You got AJ that's around him. Uh, who else? Who else do we have? Keenan Allen is around him. CD Lamb, Johnson, T Higgins. So it'll be interesting to see where does where where does ADP ends up when when, once we get to to real draft season in 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 art in August and September. So man, that T Higgins price it's kind of of steep, isn't it? I mean, we could, we could, people like we, the we offense, could, man. We could probably talk about that later in, in a later podcast. Man, I'm just looking. It's like, wow, that that, that price for T. Higgins is kind of it, – it's getting out of control. It's getting out of control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to spend another uh, another podcast on some of these uh, some of these ADPs uh, later, yeah. later in the offseason. Yeah, d- definitely. Uh, yeah. Definitely. All right, so we got Russell Gage, wide receiver 55, uh, overall 117. So at the end of the 10th round um, – I know last year with Atlanta, we saw him have a wide wide receiver uh, one weeks three times during the during the end of the season between thirteen and eighteen. Uh, he was also a wide receiver ten overall during these weeks. So just to let you know, like just at the end of the season, how much you know how effective he was. Yeah, uh, and I remember he even did this. I think week thirteen, he played Tampa Bay, put eleven for like one twenty something on their heads. Yeah, like, I just remember. I just remember every time I saw him, he was coming down with a catch, beating whoever's in front of him. So uh, I, I like the ad of Russell Gage for sure. I think it's very underrated. Um, last year he was twelfth in route route win rate at forty seven point three percent. He was a wide receiver top twenty uh, last year versus in in Atlanta without uh, Ridley. So pretty much what week six to the end of the season he was a top twenty wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He's, I mean, and then as you see from the ADP, he's going after after wide receivers like Winfro, Ayuk, uh, the rookies like Garrett Wilson and Drake London. So, and some of these people are like their third, possibly fourth option in offenses. So, I again, I think wide receiver fifty five is a little is a little low for me compared to some yeah. of these other wide receivers that are going in front of him. So, I'm I'm definitely going to be ahead of consensus. Uh, on Russell Gage in, uh, in in these drafts upcoming. And just real quick, another note about him. Targets route run, tar- um, tar- targets per route run versus man was at 35% last year. And he's going to be in the slot. It's going to be running a lot of the same similar routes that Antonio Brown ran last year uh, for Tampa Bay in that offense. So he's going to he's going to fit quite well. And he's a, he's an underrated player. He's not he's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I think I think Russell Gage is going to and, you know, you talk about Mike Evans going to go crazy. You know, Russell Gage, he's going to have he's going to have his fair share of opportunities as well with Chris Godwin set to miss at least like the first you know portion of the season. But you know, definitely. So I, I like I like Russell Gage a lot, and 
you know, to your point, you know, wide receiver 55, end of the 10th round, like that is, wow, that's, that's like stealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got, I'm like looking at, I'm just looking at sleeper ADP and you got wide receivers like Kadarius Tony going in front of him, Kristen Watson. Oh, God. Uh, Chris Olave. Yeah, I don't know about that, man. I'll take all. I'll take Gage over all those wide receivers, man. So and and and, and those offenses are tip, are, are going to pass significantly less than Tampa Bay's. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, man. Right, so give me, give me Gage, man. Give me, give me, uh, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Godwin is going to wide receiver twenty-one. Uh, I think that's a little rich for somebody who's going to miss half your your redraft season. Like, yeah, he's missing your first eight weeks. I don't know if you can draft somebody that's going fifty one overall. That's what mid that's mid fifth round. I can't take a zero there for for what half at least half my season. That's I don't think that's that's good. I don't think that's good gameplay right there. That's it's just not smart. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very suboptimal. What, suboptimal roster building. Yeah, um, and then last we got Cameron Bright. The nope. supposed next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. He's he's going free in drafts. I wouldn't advise. I I would just wait till after. I know people are gonna go crazy because the Brady the the Brady tax, but nah, man. Uh, I I rather go somewhere else, honestly, than than drafting Brady. So that is for that is it for the Buccaneers. Who you got? So I think the next team we want to go ahead and get started and talk, you know, talking about is the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers, they're in a, they're the team that is desperately looking to upgrade their quarterback position. Um, but some of the moves they made this offseason um, revolved mostly around the draft. They drafted Matt Corral in the third round, but they did draft an offensive line and uh, offensive lineman uh, Ikem Nkwonu from uh, the tackle from uh, North Carolina State. I think at number six overall, yep. definitely, definitely helps whoever whoever becomes the quarterback either this year or maybe next year when they whenever they suck uh, this you know this upcoming year and they'll be in line to draft one of those top top quarterbacks from the twenty twenty three class. So um, that that's a, that was a big help. But um, you know we, we 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 let's let's not spend too much time on these on these quarterbacks because it's basically a dead end. We we when we look at this team. There's only two guys that really talk about the one. The first, like the biggest question is Christian McCaffrey. He's been injured the last couple of years. He's missed 23 games since 2020 or since the end of the 2019 season. So 2020 and 2021 he's missed over over that span. He's missed 23 games, has had like five, four or five different injuries, high ankle sprain, thigh bruise, hamstring strain, uh, AC joint sprain. You know he's had he's had a lot of these sprains, but thankfully has they haven't been you know super debilitating injuries like an ACL, to, you know knee ligaments, sprained MCLs, nothing like that, nothing no, nothing related to the Achilles. So we can you know we can we can kind of take solace in knowing that you know those injuries are kind of uh, you know the injuries that he's that he's suffered aren't you know super debilitating. But the question is like what can we expect from Christian McCaffrey? This year, and can he bounce back to being the undisputed top running back in fantasy? Yes, I believe that he can. He definitely has more of a more of a chance to to return to to, to the top of the pinnacle uh, if he if he's healthy for the majority of the season. I mean, we've seen just even last year that he. I mean, he only played 
what, six games, seven games. Uh, the games that he played at least 50% of the snaps, he was RB1, RB3, RB4, RB3. Like, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Let, let, let me, let's not play with his Stop name. Like, this, is, this, is, this is a guy that just gets all in every touch that he can handle. Uh, I know they brought in uh, Deontay Foreman. So hopefully they can spell him a little bit. But overall, just if he's healthy, he's getting majority of the touches, man. Like I don't, I have no, I have no qualms about him getting busy when he's on the field. Uh, so I expect him to to you know do a lot of damage uh, this this coming season in fantasy. Yeah, and to your point about staying healthy, you have a top five player in fantasy. You have a top the top player in fantasy because a healthy McCaffrey is outscoring everybody. Okay, outscoring yeah. everybody. Last time in 2019, um, he averaged 20 uh, around 29 fantasy points per game. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> and yeah. then hell, in 2020, he he almost followed that up if he didn't get hurt. But he had to, he was averaging the game that he played. He averaged 30 fantasy points per game. He was averaging around 30, which is just absolutely insane, <laughs> absolutely insane. And uh, I. I, I I, I, I saw this stat, uh, according to Pro Football Reference, he's actually the all-time leader in fantasy points per game. Do you know that? I did not <laughs> the know all, that. The all-time leader in fantasy points per game, which is, which is insane. But yeah, like, you know, a, guy, a guy with his type of upside on, any, on a, any given week, any given moment, like he can just break a long run. His, his, his usage in the passing game is, is, is second to none. Like, hell, even last year in a short season, he had 34% targets per route run and, you know, 2.9 yards per route run. And his yards per, yards per reception was a 9.3. And these are all career highs. And, you know, again, these stats are courtesy of, uh, of, of a pro football focus. But, man, like, what, what can't he do, right? What, can, what can't he do? <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, he, ha- he has more upside than Jonathan Taylor. He has more upside than any, other, any of the, the backs that are going – that are going in his vicinity, even even Austin Eckler, which is which is just crazy to me. So, you know, the previous the previous three seasons, outside of the last year, you know, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, the previous three years played sixteen games. Each each year he played sixteen games, and he had pretty sizable pretty sizable workloads in each of those years. Wasn't mm-hmm. hurt at all. He just has he's just had you know fluky and bad injury luck. You know, and, you know you can you can slap the injury prone label on him all you want. That's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, these, these injuries aren't super, super debilitating. I've, I've stated as such on Twitter, I'm all in on Christian McCaffrey. If I have the number one pick, it's, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. It's not going to be Jonathan Taylor. It's going Ooh. to be Christian McCaffrey. If I have the number one pick, I, I, it, it has to be CMC because there's no other player in fantasy that has his upside, the way he's using the passing game, the, you know, just the way he's used now, now He's probably not going to see ninety percent snaps again. Um, we'll, we'll probably see that scale back, but you know, from from a from a usage standpoint, I, I think you know there, there's there's nobody that really just compares uh, to him. He's just he's just he's just in another realm <laughs> when it comes to when it when it comes to how he's using out and how he scores and how he accumulates fantasy points. He's just in another realm. And just one mm-hmm. one last thing though, like going back to his twenty nineteen season, uh, I heard this. I heard uh, I heard this stat on a on on a PFF podcast. Uh, he would have been the in 2019. He would have been the RB 12 if he didn't have a single rush attempt. <laughs> 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 I, 
He did have a, what 116 receptions that year. Yeah, too? I think he, I think he, I think he went a uh, hundred and a hundred, uh, thousand, a thousand, 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 yep. thousand, thousand with a hundred receptions. I believe he sure did. But a single, without a single rush attempt, he would have been, he would have been the RB12 in PPR, Jesus. in PPR leagues. And that, that's you know, I, again, there's no other guy, there's no other running back in fantasy that holds that upside. So if I have, a, if I have the number one pick, hey, let it, hey, if I have the number three or four pick and he falls, thank you. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he shouldn't be dropping past like four. No, he shouldn't. Probably not past three, honestly. But no, it just depends on your league mates, honestly. So yeah. Um. So yeah. So Christian McCaffrey, fucking awesome. If you, if you have the number one pick, I, I, I think you'd be uh, you'd be inclined to take him number one overall. That's just me. That's what that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Hey, you, you, John the Taylor is is a is a great pick as well. But in terms of the upside and the payoff that you could potentially get, I, I, I would I would go with McCaffrey, man. I would just go with CMC. Mm-hmm. I'd go CMC there. Um, but just real quick, uh, just running through some of the other fantasy players. I'm not going to say key because these guys aren't key. The quarterback room <laughs> is pretty shitty uh, currently. They've been looking to upgrade the quarterback position all offseason long. They've tried to get, they tried to get Deshaun Watson to no avail. They were flirting with they were flirting with Jimmy G. They were looking into Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, uh, and then they and they have currently they have Sam Darnold and Matt Corral, third round pick. Obviously, third round picks don't have the you know the greatest success. You know, um, but you know, look, he's he's a young guy. he's a you know the, the way the, the way that he the way that he plays. You know, he's he could he could benefit. Or he he could help some of the receivers with you know some short you know some short uh some short quick and intermediate throws, um some you know with the RPO game and things like that. But we'll see if that if that even materializes at some point in the season. Yeah. So Sam Darnold currently going off the board as a QB thirty five. I don't even know why people are drafting him. Nope. <laughs> I don't even know why he's a draft slide. Just, that should just be empty nope because of how nope. bad you know the first four weeks have fooled a lot of people, including two <laughs> people on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was the QB five, and I think he had like four or five rushing touchdowns in the first four weeks. Yep. People were thinking, "Oh man, Sam Darnold's off to a, you know, into a hell of a start. He's going to be a fantasy superstar." No, nope. he was dog. He was dog shit after that. <laughs> he was a QB thirty one. He was a QB thirty one in weeks five to weeks five to nine, and then he got hurt, and then we didn't really see much from him after that. So. I there's no I have no confidence in, in in Sam Darnold. Don't really have too much confidence in in Matt Corral. You almost need a you almost need a quarterback to come in. Like if Baker Mayfield were to get traded or Jimmy Garoppolo were to come, they would be a, a significant upgrade over these two guys. I think. Yeah. Or the, this 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 quarterback situation, and it would help the receivers immensely. So yeah. again, you know these these quarterbacks, you don't want them in fantasy. You don't want them at all. Don't want anything to do with them. Um, the next, we 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 just touched on Christian McCaffrey. He's he's my RB one. Uh, just I hate to break the news again. He's my RB one this year. I'm hmm. in fantasy until he's not. Um, but his uh, his backup is Deontay Foreman, and he could be he can serve as a pretty decent handcuff uh, for him. You know, he she showed some he showed some things last year in Tennessee, coming off that Achilles injury, broke some long runs, had some serviceable weeks. He was picked up on the waiver wire and he was performing. So I think, you know, currently right now he's going off, you know, the board as the RB sixty five. He would be a he would be a, a, a decent 
late round at the end of your draft or throw in best ball leagues, maybe at the end of your draft in 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 any seasonal leagues. But I, I think uh, you know, I think I think Deontay Foreman is uh, it's a pretty it's pretty it's a pretty de- decent handcuff for for CMC. And then on to the on to the receivers, it's it's basically DJ Moore, Deniston Oliver Moore Jr. I am a DJ Moore truther. truther. Uh, if if you guys have not uh, figured it out by now, I'm I'm announcing it to the world. I am a DJ Moore truther, tried and true. Um, he is he suffers year in and year out from shitty quarterback play, and enough is enough. I want better for him. I want better for him. He's currently going. Does he for, does he want better for himself? He just resigned for a big deal. Well. Hey, he's <laughs> despite despite this the, these terrible quarterbacks throwing him the ball, he's turned out eleven hundred yards and four touchdowns every year, and yeah. so so he's still producing, he's still getting his, um, you know, and and the funny thing about it is like the last three years, he's had exactly twelve hundred fifteen yards and four touchdowns in 20, 2019. 2020, 1215 yards and four touchdowns. And in 2021, 1,205 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> and, and these are total yards. So, And he's the, actually the only receiver, only active receiver that's had 1,200 total yards. Uh, in, in the, you know, he has, he has the longest, longest active streak amongst all wide receivers right now with 1,200-plus uh, total yards, which is pretty impressive given the fact that he's, he's always suffered uh, from bad quarterback play. And, and according to Pro Football Focus, He's he had the most incomplete targets that were deemed the quarterback's fault <laughs> in 2021, and, and in 2020 he was second in that category. So that just kind of shows that that just goes to show you if he has a competent quarterback at any given point, you know, coming up in 2022 and 2023 and beyond, he's gonna smash. Like he's gonna absolutely smash. Uh, but I think right now the wide receiver 16 is currently. It's currently an appropriate spot for him. I feel like this is where he's usually drafted every single year yep. because of the quarterback. If he yep. had a great, if he had a, if he had a just a, a decent quarterback, a quarterback that just knows what the hell he's doing, he'd be he he would be a he would be firmly entrenched in the second round, in the second round yep. every single year. But he's going to go more so around that three four turn. Um, so, but yeah, he just he just came off of a season. With 163 targets, <laughs> and, that was, and that was sixth. In, that was sixth in the NFL. So 163, which is insane. And so I, I, I like DJ Moore in this in this range. I think wide receiver 15 is kind of where I would where I would look at him. I, I may look at him earlier, but um, but in ter- until his quarterback situation improves, uh, I think there's a lot of other guys or a few other guys that I would that would take ahead of him. But I'm still a DJ yeah. Moore truther, tried and true. Yeah. And then the next we have Robbie Anderson, wide receiver seventy three, currently going. Mm. That's basically free. He just came off of a historically bad, inefficient season. He was talking about retiring a couple of weeks ago, but he reported to camp, uh, reported to minicamp. So we're not sure if you know what what where his head is at now. But I mean, look, he could be a late round dart throwing best ball leagues, best ball drafts. You never know what could happen. I mean, yeah. he's only two years removed from a. A wide receiver two season, where he actually out targeted DJ Moore in 2020 when Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater was the quarterback. He had over 
over 90 catches, over 1,000 yards. So he had a pretty decent year. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the quarterback situation. But, um, but as of right now, he's not really going to be on many people's fantasy radar. And then rounding out, uh, rounding out this, this uh, receiver room is uh, Terrence Marshall. Nah. Mm. Mm. Only a 5% target share last year. And look, mm. his only saving grace is that he has the second round draft capital. And there was a report actually that I read today uh, that he is, he's making big strides in, in camp or whatever. But we'll, 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 take, we'll take June reports about players kept, you know, <laughs> taking big strides with a great yeah. Song. Yeah. So and uh so yeah, I mean that that would that would basically be it for the for the pass catchers because we don't really give a shit about their tight ends. Because Carolina's tight ends, they rank thirty first and thirty second in targets the last two years. So Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble, no thanks. No yeah. fucking thanks. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> so that concludes All the right. Atlanta. Let's talk about it. This shouldn't take long. Um, <laughs> first off, the moves they made, they traded Matt Ryan to the Colts. Um, their offense ranked 10th in situational neutral pass play rate, which is, I mean, pretty good for the the weapons they had on that offense, man. Um, yeah, that's, just, that's pretty good. Um, I think this year they'll probably just run the ball a little bit more just due to the limitations at quarterback. Because at quarterback, they got Marcus Mariota, um, and then they also drafted uh, Desmond Ritter, which, uh, according to reports, that he they're both to, supposed to be fighting for the starting position. So hmm. uh, if Marcus Mariota has to be fighting Desmond Ritter, then uh, I think you have some problems. But uh, I'm sure they're going to be looking to tank so they could probably look to get one of these quarterbacks next year anyway. So uh, they also traded for uh, Brian Edwards from the Las Vegas Raiders. I know uh, I likes that move because he is also a Brian Edwards truther. You did um, damn right. He 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 is he is he is alive. He is alive. Yeah. He's alive <laughs> and, then, and well. I know there was reports of him that he was, you know, showing good things and he was the best wide receiver out in camp currently. So of course he was. Of course he was. I'm not sure who else is that wide receiver, but I mean maybe that might uh, well, they got uh, you got the 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 rookie Drake London, who they drafted yeah. first round don't draft. Disrespect pick, Drake so. London. Don't yeah. disrespect not, Jersey Drake. Yeah, let London. me not. Yeah, let me not do that. Uh, they also resigned C. Pat. You know that'll bring back their best weapon from last year, their second best weapon from last year back. Um, also, they got Calvin Ridley, who's suspended for the season uh, for gambling. <laughs> and uh how, how goofy yeah. you gotta be to get suspended for gambling it was only right. it was only 15 15 i think it was 1500 1500s man and he, he couldn't and get he a got, cousin to do it and he got his head beat in too he lost yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> this dude was betting, betting six six game parlays wondering why he was losing <laughs> yeah um, oh, this, oh, also, this is the one that's gonna hit this is the one that's yep. gonna hit <laughs> yep exactly that's what we tell ourselves every time every time um, man and then also they lost Russell Gage to uh, division rival Tampa Bay. So biggest question for this team is, are there any quarterbacks that are going to make an impact at some point this year on their roster? Probably not. I mean, I don't really see much from Mariota. He's, he's a journeyman quarterback. Um, I, you know, you, you, mentioned it early, you mentioned it earlier. They have limitations at quarterback. They have a rookie and they have Mariota. 
I think they're just gonna. I think they're gonna run the ball more. I think they're gonna lean more on the run or you know, just cut, try to control the clock. Their their um, their pass play rate's gonna probably get um, get a little bit. You know, their 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 pace of play in general is probably gonna get slower. They're not gonna be passing nearly as much. So I don't I don't see anything. I don't see how any of these quarterbacks are gonna be fantasy relevant. Um, but I do think that Desmond Ritter at some point in the season, later in the season, he'll eventually take over as a starter because we usually see rookies play a lot sooner, a lot sooner rather than later. Now these days they like to thrust rookies into the into the lineup. Now I know he doesn't have the draft capital like a first round rookie does, but these you know, a lot of these rookies like Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, they were all supposed to go in the first round and they just, you know, these these NFL talent evaluators said, nah, these guys ain't first round picks. And they decided <laughs> to draft them where they drafted them. All I think they all got drafted in the third round. Yep. So um I, I you know, we'll 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 probably see all the all three of these guys on the field at some point this year because of the guys in front of them. I mean, they're not very good. <laughs> not very good, <laughs> to, say, to say the least. I'm, try, I'm trying to be a little bit nicer, but they're not uh, very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the key players. Uh, you've already touched on the quarterbacks. Not really good. Not really expecting anything. Uh, we're not going to be drafting them, so we're not worried about them. Uh, we got Cordell Patterson, CPAT, RB31, 78 overall. So he is going mid-seventh round. Um, you know, I think is appropriate right now. I, don't, I still don't know what to expect from him. I know last year we saw him just explode the big, the first half of the season, and then the second half it just kind of just died off. Um, he doesn't have really any real competition, but, I mean, there's a lot of bodies there that could probably take some touches from him, especially early down work, in my opinion, because you got Damian Harris, you got Tyler Algier. Damian Williams. Yeah, <laughs> they drafted in the. Sure, in the they had round. Damian. If they had Damian Harris, yeah, he'd be, he'd probably be the starter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I just, hopefully what happens is that they'll they'll use Cordero Patterson like they did the beginning, the first half of the season, where they had him coming out the backfield and making plays in terms of catching the ball because he was really effective at that. I mean, beginning of the season we saw him, we saw him score a touchdown every game. Like yeah. every game he was scoring a touchdown. It was like, you know, five for 40 rush yards and it'd be like six for 50 and two touchdowns receiving. So it was just yeah. like he was a cheat code because of the map, the, the, how effective he was with the, the small usage he was having at the beginning of the season. And, then and plus Mike Davis second, is trash. Yeah. He was super trash. And then the second half of the season, they just wanted to use him as the, the, the first and second down back and just run him up the middle. And just, that's how he got hurt. That's how he yeah, got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know, man. Just brain, just brain dead from whatever the coaching staff was thinking of with that. So, um, Damian Harris, I mean, Damian, how oh, you said Damian Harris, Damian Williams is going to RB76, so free. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you got Tyler Ajir, who's going in front of that. He's going to RB48. I mean, I think that's really rich for uh, for a, for a rookie running back that's drafted in the fifth round. And again, we don't know how this is gonna how they're gonna shake how this is gonna shake out. So I, I would I would I would not draft him at that high. That's kind of rich, even though the two running backs in front of him are thirty plus. But I, we just again we don't know we don't know how they're gonna be used. So I would be very 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 cautious about drafting him at RB forty eight. Yeah. Um, 
Drake London, RB32, going 99th overall. So basically the beginning of the ninth round. Uh, we should see him be used as the XY receiver. You know, they spent, what, the uh, eighth overall pick on him. So we should know that he's going to be on the field early and often, and he should should be used in terms of getting targeted for sure uh, when you spend that type of capital on a, on a player. Uh, we got Brian Edwards, who we talked about. Real, real, he's real quick, sorry, yeah. real quick on Drake London. Uh, so he's going, he's going around the range of Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks. Would you who, who would you who would you rather have out of those three? London early in the season, um, just because. I mean, with the reports with with Traylon that he's not even in in in, in shape because he came and he can't even be out there in minicamp right now. He's the on the sideline watching. The asthma is bothering, so they need to figure that out. And I think Garrett Wilson. I think there's uh, people are under, underestimating the the bodies that are around him. Um, so I don't think he's gonna you know just tear the league up right away when you still you still got Corey Davis for whatever that's worth. Um, he's still getting paid a lot of money. He's gonna be out there. And then you got obviously you got Elijah Moore also who who did who did some good work last year, his rookie year when he was when he was healthy. So um I think Drake Lennon has the the easiest path to, to do work early for sure. Yeah. And also like his draft capital would would indicate that he's going to be in line for a lot of targets. He was he was the number yep. he was the number eight number eight overall pick, and historically, we've seen a you know there's I think there's been a hand maybe a dozen a dozen rookies drafted since like 2010 or 2012 um, that were drafted within the top you know in the top ten. And you know if, if you just look back at just last year, Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle went back to back. Jamar yeah. Chase had 128 targets. Jalen Waddle had 140 targets. So they yeah. these guys seem seemingly factor into their offense's plans early and often. So I think he's going to be in line for at least a lot of targets uh, yep. going you know uh, coming out the gate. Yep, uh, you got Omalade uh, uh, Zacchaeus. Nope, uh, <laughs> and then you got <laughs> then you got Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is tight end three. He's going thirty three overall, but which is basically the end of the third. Um, I mean, we saw what he did last year as a rookie, second in air yards and tight end position. Also second in A dot air yard share, third in deep targets, fourth in routes run, third in receptions, first in yards per reception. Uh, he ran 80% of his routes out of the slide or out wide. I mean, one and only scored one touchdown after all this and still finished tight end six. So mm. for somebody <laughs> – I mean, I I mean, I I don't I can't even say anything else. He's just a monster, man. Um, I don't blame anybody for taking him this early. I mean, personally, for me, I I rather wait on tight end. But I mean, if you're getting one of the leads, then I don't blame you for you know wait getting towards the end of the third round to, to go get him. But uh, overall, we know he's a baller. Um, so yeah, and then like. You know, his his yards per route run, I think he was fifth overall. Uh, he was yep. fifth in yards per route run. And he was one of the, he was one of the three rookies to post over to post an over two yards per route run uh, since 20 since 2011. And that's according to PFF. So he's a lot of his a lot of his data and a lot of his metrics are just elite. Yeah. And all he was missing was touchdowns. And yep. if he scored, if he I, I think I think his expected touchdowns was around like six or seven. So if if he scored around six or seven touchdowns, he probably would have been at least a, a top three tight end or top two tight end. Yeah, and yeah. that's probably where he'd be. He would be. That's that's probably where he'd be ranked 
cons- you know, with consensus, uh, on consensus, you know, within the top two, top two, or at least top three at the worst. So yeah, yeah. Kyle Pitts is awesome. Uh, I think, look, he's 33rd overall, 33rd, 33rd overall pick. That's not a bad spot for him, especially, you know, you know, to your point, I, I like to wait on tight ends myself. But if there's one of these guys that you can have at your disposal that'll make a significant difference for your team, like a Kyle Pitts, like a George Kittle, like a Travis Kelsey, like a Mark Andrews, like one of those guys, I would, you know, uh, you know just depending on what's available, I would I would definitely take a chance at one of those. So, yeah, yeah I, I like I like Kyle Pitts a lot. Yeah, man. And I mean, that's that's the Falcons. All right, and finally, we're gonna end. We're gonna end the show with the New Orleans Saints. Um, the the biggest one of the biggest moves this offseason was the retirement of Sean Payton, and delu- you know, de- fellow delusional Cowboy fans are speculating <laughs> that he's gonna be the coach next year. He's gonna take a year off and then be the co- the coach of the Saints next year, which or the coach of the Cowboys next year, which makes absolutely no sense to me. And they just need to let let that shit go because it's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> but the current the, the current head coach now is Dennis Allen. He was the defensive coordinator, so he was promoted to the head coach. And they did retain uh, Pete Carmichael as their offensive coordinator. So um, I know Sean Payton basically called the plays, but now Pete Carmichael is going to be calling the plays. But it, they're still going to have a lot of their same uh, same run their same concepts. And they were basically a run heavy offense by and large uh, for the twenty for you know for twenty twenty one and. You know, uh, and just to kind of illustrate that, they ran the ball 11 percentage points higher than league average when they were leading. So when they were leading by like three points, four points, six points, um, and across all types of game situations, they were above the NFL average in running the ball. So they were they were a conservative offense, and they didn't ask the quarterbacks to do a ton. Um, a couple of other moves they made, they did sign Andy Dalton to back up Jameis Winston. And they drafted Chris Olave at pick 11, uh, the wide receiver from Ohio State, who they hope to have a, a sizable impact um, pretty early on to, uh, you know, to kind of stretch the field and open up that offense a little bit more. But a couple of questions. We, well, the biggest question we want to get to is um, about a particular wide, a fellow wide receiver that we have not seen play a down for the Saints in a couple of years or about a year and a half. Yeah. And that's Michael Thomas, a.k.a. Slam Boy. Yeah. Uh, how are we how are we treating Michael Thomas this year? You know, because there has been there, there there hasn't been, I wouldn't say overly encouraging reports. It would just be mostly mostly beat, beat writer optimism reports that aren't really rooted in anything until we actually see it. Um, so he's he's on track for training camp. Oh, he should be fine or he should this. You know, there's. We have to take a lot of these reports that we're getting with a grain of salt, but we just haven't seen the guy play since you know the end of the 2020 season. And so, what? Where? How are we handling? Him? Are, we, are we drafting him high, where he's at? Are we are we moving him down our ranks? Like what? What's going on? What are we doing with Michael Thomas currently? Uh, currently, I see him at, around wide receiver 23, uh, 57th overall, which is about the end of the fifth round. Um, I know me personally, um, I'm, I don't want to draft him until I see him do something on the field. Hopefully we see something during training camp. I know a lot of people are, you know, a lot of fantasy players are hoping and wishing that they can get him back because of, you know, what's, what else is there for the, for the Saints offense. But for me, 
I mean, I, I wouldn't advise people to go and draft him at this draft position. Uh, you got people that are healthy and ready to go, like Cortland Sutton, Marquise Brown, uh, Jerry Judy, Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney, uh, Allen Robinson. These are all wide receivers I would take over him right now because I know they're ready to go. We, we, we've we seen them play. Um, while Michael Thomas, we haven't seen him play since, what, week six of last of 2020. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't do it, man. This is too, way too rich for somebody that we have not seen play. We haven't even seen him take a ball thrown from Jameis Winston. So I, I yeah, I can't do it, man. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I'm avoiding him until we see something I'm avoiding. Him. I'm definitely avoiding him. I, I don't. Because again, you know, I, I think at the end of, I think he 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 did play in the whenever the Saints made the playoff, they lost to the Bucks. He was he he did play that game, and I don't think he caught a pass. But um, and then after that, he had he had an off season uh, uh, ankle surgery, and he delayed the surgery, and then he had yep. multiple setbacks, and then just didn't play in twenty twenty one. So the way the way that was handled, that whole situation was kind of messy and kind of murky. Yeah, and we still probably don't know the whole story behind behind all of it, but nonetheless. Yeah, he and he's still having problems with that ankle. I, I'm staying. I'm staying away. I'm staying away. It's not even the thing is. It's it's not. It's uh. And the reason why he's having so much trouble with the ankle is it's the inside part of his ankle. It's not the outside part. It's not like a. It's not like a. It's not like an ankle like a typical high ankle sprain. It's just something that's going on the inside of the ankle, which helps, which which you know hurts you know explosiveness and planning and cutting, uh, to a to a different degree. So I, I don't know, man. I I, I can't justified drafting him where he's being drafted and he's he's just going to be a stay away until until i actually see him on the field running routes cutting planting yeah uh, whatever the case is like until i actually see that that's when i'll be willing to to, to draft him and then and, and then reports like no setbacks and he's not he's not questionable going into the game you know week one or anything like that like yep. That's what that's what I'm waiting on, and I don't yep. and until until we get that, um, I'm out. Yeah, um, and then with that question, uh, it leads in leads us to another question: Who can or will lead this receiving core in his potential absence? Hmm. I mean, I would say Jarvis Landry because he's the you know he's the veteran. Um, he 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 has the the most pedigree in that wide receiver core outside of Michael Thomas. Uh, we, we've seen him um, do damage in the league. He's only There's only three players that have caught more passes than him since 2014, since he's entered the league. Um, you know, for somebody that's potentially going to be the team's wide receiver one, for him to be going at wide receiver 58, sounds like a super steal to me. Um, and he should be going up ADP until we get more news about Michael Thomas. So, um, that would be that would be my my person that I would tab for the lead this wide receiver core for sure. Yeah, and I think I think it'll be him by default because of everything you mentioned. You know, he's he's the veteran guy. Um, and there's early reports coming out of camp, but again, you don't want to take these reports with a grain of salt that he's that he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, with you know showing showing uh, rapport with the quarterback. So. Um, you know, late last year with with Cleveland, he had a twenty eight yard twenty eight. I'm sorry, twenty eight percent targets per route run, which is thirteenth. And you know, he had a one point, I think, a one point eight yards per route run. And that's mostly because you know of the slot usage. Yeah, he kind of mixed in some outside 
uh, some outside uh, work. But for the most part, he was mostly the slot receiver, and that's kind of where he's going to be playing. A lot of these, a lot of these receivers are going to be getting targets in the middle of the field, um, in the slot, in the middle of the field. So uh, outside of uh, Chris Olave, who we'll talk about here in, here in a second, but um, but yeah, this is probably the guy just by default that you know that's going to be you know getting getting the most getting the most targets uh, at least out the gate until Michael Thomas gets you know, returns. Yeah. But just going into the, some of the key fancy players, I'm going to start with uh, quarterback Jameis Winston, D. Gaff Winston, the thirty Mister Thirty for Thirty, the Thirty for Thirty legend himself. <laughs> uh, currently going off the board as a quarterback twenty-two, which you know that's, I guess that's appropriate for where you know from given given this given this offensive philosophy and how you know how they were basically. Thirty uh, second in pass play rate for the first half of the season, and they ended up finishing 29th. So this fa- this philosophy, uh, this offensive philosophy, is just going to call for less downfield passes, uh, or or just less passes in general. Uh, but they'll 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 definitely find some opportunities to take some shots down the field. Um, you know, he was a QB three in week one, where he threw five touchdowns against Green Bay, and then he was the QB five in week five. Um, but outside of that, there was not a lot to be desired from a fantasy perspective from Jameis Winston. He finished as the QB 15 or worse in his other four starts when he where he was not hurt. But his his you know his his raw counting stats. I mean, he had 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, and the Saints were I think they were five and two prior to his exit. So um, he did he did a, he did a lot to clean up his turnovers and taking care of the ball. He was. He basically went from being near the top of the league in turnover-worthy play rate to being in the middle of the pack. And that was much better than what it used to be, and that was actually the lowest of his career because usually his turnover-worthy play rate was around 5 five to 7%-ish. But this, you know, the, in 2021, prior to him tearing his ACL, he was around 3%. So that was that was a you know, significant improvement. And he was getting some, you know, according to PFF, he had some big time throws as well. He had he was second in, in the league in big time throws, so he showed some improvement um, in the, this past year. And hopefully, he can put it put it all together for a full season. And we'll see how uh, we'll see how this 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 pass play rate see if it improves. Uh, hopefully, you know, there's there's no there's nowhere to go but up, right? 29th and 32nd. <laughs> uh, there's there's nowhere to go but up. Hopefully, they can. If they can come somewhere to the middle of the pack, there'll be a little bit more volume for some of these receivers. Um, yeah. And in situation neutral pace, they were 14th, uh, according to Football Outsiders. So that uh, they, they'll they're in the middle of the pack in terms of their pace of play and how many plays they run. But most of most most of those plays, at least at the moment, or at least as it appears, are going to be run plays. Yeah. Um, but going to the uh, running back room, start with Alvin Kamara. Currently going off the board at around the RB ten range, so I think that's thirteenth overall. I think that's. Eh, I mean, I, I think that should be higher if if there's nothing, um, if there's nothing surrounding him in terms of like that looming suspension because oh, he has yeah. a looming, he has a looming suspension yeah. that, that, that legal case. Now, by you know, for all intents and purposes, it could be pushed until twenty twenty three. But you never know with these things. You never know if the NFL may just step in and suspend them, anyways. Um, I think I think something may happen. I think he may get a couple of games here and there. He may get like 
two or three games for, you know, just maybe a small slap on the wrist or something like that. But um, that's something to keep an eye on when drafting. So um, RB10, yeah, that's I, I still wouldn't even I still wouldn't touch them there. I, there would be other guys that I would be more more willing to take at that range. Um, you know, until this, until the until the that legal that legal situation, not necessarily it, it won't be resolved in 2022, but until the legal situation kind of goes away for this for this year, for 2020. Yeah. So for this year, so if it goes away, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably take him a lot higher than 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 RB ten. You know. All right. So quick up. question, quick question for you. So would you take Javante over over uh, Alvin right now? Mm-hmm. Given given the fact that there could be a looming suspension. Yeah. Uh, Javante, mm. Javante. That's a good. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, he's RB thirteen right now. I probably wouldn't get there. I probably I would take a guy like Saquon Barkley over him. I would take Aaron Jones over him. I would take okay. I would take Leonard Fournette over him. Okay. Because All he, those running backs are under him. They're out 11, 12, 13, 14. So Okay. DeAndre Swift, I would probably take over him. Okay. Um, so yeah, those these those guys, they're they're they don't really have anything clouding clouding them. But yeah. Javante Williams, because Melvin Gordon is back in yeah, I don't know. That's a to- that one's a toss up, but the other guys I would definitively take over Kamara okay. right now. But if Kamara That's is fair. is if there's nothing surrounding Kamara, Kamara would go over all those guys for sure. Okay, Kamara would go over those guys. But um, and then next we have Mark Ingram, RB sixty two, basically going for free. You know, if something happens to Alvin Kamara where he gets suspended, he could step in and. New Orleans showed a commitment to him whenever he came over from Houston last year and yep. gave him, I think, 20 touches out the gate. Yep. It wasn't very effective. I think he had a, like a 3.5 <laughs> yard, 3.5 yards per carry, very inefficient. But the volume will be there for him because they they are a uh, they are a run first offense. And if if Alvin Kamara is suspended, they may lean, they may lean they may lean on the run a little bit. Who knows? And then we 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 already talked about Michael Thomas a little bit, but um, there there's been a little bit of a misconception about his uh, about his route tree because you know a lot of people call him Slant Boy, and I, I think that's personally I think that's a funny it's a funny nickname. It's really a funny <laughs> it's, it's it's a funny nickname to me because like it, it I think it started off as as a as like a, a meme or a joke or it was like it's like one of those you know one of those made up. It, it it stemmed from one of those made up tweets where um, you know where they, where they fake report news or something like that or fake report some things and and then, and then Slant Boy it just it just stayed right just just stuck around amongst the community and people just called him Slant Boy but you know he was actually pretty pretty good and on on a, a lot of different routes you know obviously slants he was the, he had the highest yards per route run at six point four four according to PFF and. Um, in other routes like stop routes, he had the second second highest yards per route run, and then he ends posts and, and, and crossers. He was sixth in yards per route run, so he can he can run the route tree. Uh, he can he can run he can run quite a pretty good diverse route tree, and he can actually get down the field as well. I mean, he's caught thirty three of thirty six targets thrown down the field, thrown twenty plus yards down the field um, since since you know entering the you know, the twenty twenty one season, and that's fourth in the NFL. So, um, you know, there's been a little bit of a misconception about just, oh, he just nothing, runs nothing but slants and, and things of that nature. But, 
you know, he he still gets he can if he's on the field and fully healthy, he has a huge target ceiling. I think back in 2019, you know, I, I know he was catching passes from Drew Brees and for a couple of games Teddy Bridgewater, but he had that 30% target share, and I, I don't think he I don't think he'll get anywhere. I don't think he'll get as high as that, but he'll he will definitely be be in line for a lot of volume. Should he uh, should he be healthy and should he be on the field uh, to start the season? And then we already talked about Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 58. He's going to be. A, a steal for someone if Michael Thomas is going to miss time, which as of right now, that's how we could project it. You know, that Michael Thomas will miss a couple of weeks or he's not going to be ready for training camp. And until that happens, until we know for sure, uh, he's going to Jarvis Landry is going to be a, a steal and be a value. Um, and then the next thing, the next player we have is Chris Olave. He's the rookie wide receiver out of, out of Ohio state. I think he's going to be brought in. He's currently going off the board as a wide receiver 43. And that's 110, uh, 110 overall. So the so beginning of the tenth round. Beginning, yeah, the beginning of the tenth round. We t- we kind of talked about some of the some of the guys that are going in that range earlier. Uh, you know, I, I I don't I would take I would probably take Drake London over him because I think Drake London is is going to be uh, the the outside possession receiver and he's going to be in line for targets along with him him and Kyle Pitts. And they should be passing the ball. They may pass the ball, pass the ball more than than the New Orleans, because New Orleans was probably the you know the they, they're obviously they were dead last in pass play rate when Jameis Winston was starting in weeks one through eight. So uh, I think I think by virtue of that, Drake London's uh, in, in in Atlanta's offense will be passing the ball a little bit more than than the New Orleans, and that's why I'd probably give you know London the edge over Olave. But he's going to be brought in to to basically unlock the deep passing game. And DGAF Winston, we know he can throw the ball down the field. He likes the, he likes the deep ball. He he had a, he had some deep ball attempts last year, and that's in in Chris Olave can get can 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 get open at almost every area, almost every at every area of the field. You know, get open underneath slants, ends, drags, corners, posts. You name it. Like he, he can get it. He can get in, get get open. Um, so I think him being drafted at number eleven overall will be, uh, you know, and, and him being able to to get down the field will help that offense immensely and open open it up, open things up for them. And then there's not much to to really touch on with the tight end room because you know we have Adam, we have Adam Troutman. He was uh, a late round. A late round uh, target last year amongst many in the fantasy community, and he face planted. And then we have <laughs> Jawan Johnson. We have, and then we have Taysom Hill to converting to tight end, focusing on <laughs> converting <tight> back. <laughs> yeah, and we we don't want any parts in any of these guys. So uh, nah. I don't I don't think I don't think anything can be made from these tight ends. But you know these they they have some pretty decent weapons at receiver. Should Thomas Landry and Olave be on the field healthy all at the same time. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty, a pretty good, a pretty good receiving core, right? You know, right there in and of itself. And and if they open it up a little bit more, if they pass the ball a little bit more, then we'll see. We'll see how this yeah. offense moves. But that uh, that concludes the Saints. Yeah, man. And that is the NFC South. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of terrible quarterback situations outside the Bucks. Um, but there's definitely some fantasy pieces to be had here for your fantasy teams. Um, Again, 
This is another Off the Line Fantasy Football podcast episode, episode 31. Next week, we're going to be hitting the AFC East. Uh, so it should be a little more better than the last two weeks for sure in terms of fantasy-related uh, players that people will have on their rosters. Um, again, you can you can we find can talk about contact. Josh Allen. Ooh, that's gonna, that's yeah, gonna be fun. yeah, I know. We get to talk about the Miami uh, dichotomy that got over there with Tua, so mm-hmm. should be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like the contact that we're putting out there, please you know follow us under the Destination Debbie Radio Network where we. Where you can find us under there. You can find uh, 4D Chess with Mike and Adam. You can find Elite Seekers. Uh, you know, please hit the follow button, rate us five stars, share with your friends, comment below. Ike, you got anything else before we get up out of here? Nah, man. Uh, again, just appreciate y'all, uh, you know, tuning in. And, you know, we look forward to bringing you guys another episode and some, some more uh, dope content next week when we talk about the AFC East. A lot, a lot of fun. A lot of fun to be had there. Uh, also, it is my birthday week. Uh, my birthday is on Saturday. Birthday is on Saturday. Don't know what I'm doing yet, but we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll figure it out over the next couple of days. And obviously, Gene, you will be notified in the in the group chat uh, about about my uh, about my uh, movements, so to speak. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's my birthday. Birthday June twenty fifth, six twenty five eighty seven. All right. Well, well, people. Until next week, we'll holler at y'all. Y'all be safe. Peace.